The pandemic has opened nurses' eyes to seek out new careers in nursing. We always get more questions about what other opportunities there are in nursing other than working at the bedside. Both of us have our master's degrees and it has afforded us career advancement, flexibility of schedules, and work-life balance. Going back to school is always an option. And Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. They're consistently ranked top in the U.S. for diversity and highest paid graduates. In order to help nurses advance their education during these crazy times, they are offering over a dozen different types of easily obtainable scholarships, starting at $10,000 for any nurse who enrolls in the spring 2022 semester in either their online MSN FMP or DNP FMP programs. So visit them at smumsn.com. Again, that is smumsn.com. Hello, is this thing on? Do you think they can hear us? Nah, let's say it again. Hi, and welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion related to health and healthcare. My name is Amy. And my name is Sarah. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or any other podcast listening platform, don't forget to subscribe so you can get updates to when we have our latest episodes. Also, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you like what you're hearing and you love our advocacy work, don't forget to go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the donate button. As little as $1 or $2 a month for a total of $12 a year, will help us with our monthly podcast costs such as website hosting, our hosting platform, audio equipment, and the time and energy it takes us to put out good quality episodes. We thank you and we appreciate you. Hey everyone, thank you again for joining us for another week uh, uh, with the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Um, we got a really great guest. I'm super excited to speak with her. We've spoke with her on numerous occasions on other podcasts, but I think this is a pleasure to have her on our podcast. So, you know, Sarah, take it away. Introduce our guest today. Absolutely. So I'm so honored to have Jamie on the podcast. She is an experienced nurse. We actually crossed paths with her a while back. We were on her podcast and it was really fun. We talked about what it's like being in Canada and the universal healthcare system. And she has recently branched out into a new area for um, her podcast. So Jamie, I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself. Just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your podcast. You guys are so sweet. I appreciate it so much. My name is Jamie. I am a rapid response nurse. I have a history of being a neuro ICU nurse for about 10 years prior to that. Love rapid response. So much fun. But this recent podcast adventure that I've gone out on in the last year, I started one called The Neurodivergent Nurse. I was diagnosed with ADHD in December of 2020. I had no idea that I had ADHD until a friend very nicely asked me if I had ever been tested for it. Right. And it just opened this whole new world of things that I didn't know. And there are so many tips and tricks and just ways to navigate through not only life, but in the world of nursing, the things that I thought that were hard because I just wasn't smart enough or I just wasn't good enough. It actually had more to do with my brain than the lack of ability and just having to find new ways. So I thought, why not 
make a podcast to help other people while I'm discovering myself as well. Mm-hmm. I think you've really hit a chord with a lot of people because I've been following your posts on Instagram and I feel like I can relate to a lot of these things. Like you talk about social anxiety and, you know, what it means to have ADHD, what it means to be inattentive, that kind of thing. So I think it's not just for nursing. It's not just for people who are neurodivergent. It's both, really. Mm -hmm. And you're helping a lot of people. I actually didn't know that you were recently diagnosed. So that's, that's really great that you were able to take this diagnosis and kind of share with the world what it's been like for you. Yeah. And there's so much stigma around it, which I don't understand. I don't know if it has something to do with the way that I was raised, but, you know, I'm like, no, no one should ever be ashamed of the way they are. It's just a different ability to do things. So let's end that. Let's talk about it and let's see successful people who manage it very well. So it encourages the other people who don't feel as proud of what they have or the reasons that they have the struggles that they have. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be super interested to know a little bit more about like your diagnosis and how how your friend landed to kind of saying to you, hey, Jamie, maybe, you know, maybe you should get tested for this. Because actually, another thing that I think you might know, Sarah. So Jordan, actually, my husband had been diagnosed with ADHD, too, as an adult as well. And um, it actually came after me watching a lecture when I worked at another um, hospital where they were talking about people being misdiagnosed with whether it was anxiety. I think it was a patient who um, they misdiagnosed her with bipolar disorder and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And underlying that was actually just ADHD. So when they found out that it was ADHD, they were able to treat her um, better. And she had like in terms of some of the symptoms and things that she was facing, it was like a full 360. And I remember coming home and I, I said to Jordan, I'm like, hey, why don't you listen to this lecture? And he's like, okay. And it was actually only this year that my husband as well was diagnosed with ADHD. And I, I'll be honest, it's a journey because sometimes, you know, there are certain things that I saw and I was like, come on, Jordan, just like pick up the slack. Like, why, why can't you be so more, why can't you be more organized? Why can't you be like that? That slack has been on the floor for four weeks and you see it, but it's still there. Why is that so hard? <laughs> see, I was thinking maybe that was just like bad man behavior like pick up that underwear that the the laundry basket's right there pick it up and now it's like oh okay there's some other you know maybe he needs tips and tricks about you know just to kind of help him along uh, this entire journey but I digress I'm not gonna talk about my husband anymore how would you tell us about how it kind of came down to your diagnosis if you don't mind no of course not I as I was saying earlier I am such an open book anyone can know whatever they want to about me I'm happy to share everything because it may resonate with someone that they thought that they didn't, it didn't dawn on them that they're not lazy. They're not a slob. They're not, you know, all of these things that it, there could be more. So I was bullied a lot when I was a kid. I was always very eccentric, marched to the beat of a different drum. But because I was bullied so much, I suffered very strong social anxiety to the point that even in my 20s, I was married to my first husband. I couldn't look in the mirror sometimes for weeks at a time without crying. Like I couldn't see me for who I was. And I would have panic attacks. I was just locked inside of my body. I did so much work through that to get better. But I always thought I wasn't good enough. It didn't matter if I made straight A's. I just lucked out. There were so many excuses that I made for the good things that I did. And I would talk to my friend, a 
very, very good friend of mine, very close. We have a very transparent, she knows all the good, bad, ugly things that I would not want the entire world to know. But as I kept talking to her about all of these different things, she she's the one who asked me, do you think that it could just, not that you're insecure, I don't, I'm such a social person, but I don't like going out socially. Like I don't have friends. I don't really trust people. I don't like people in this very small space because I don't want to be hurt, yada, yada, yada. So I said, okay, yeah, I mean, I'll check into it. She sent me a couple TikToks of people and I was like, it's not just me, all of these things. I set up an appointment with here in the United States, in my state, there is a place called the Carolina Attention Specialist. The way that they diagnosed me was so neat. I go in there, they, you know, I had to fill out a questionnaire prior. My mom had to fill out questions about me too. It was a very long questionnaire. Well, then I go and I sit down and they give me a little clicker and it has two different shapes on the screen, a circle and a square, and it has two different colors, red and blue. You had to click it anytime that the shape and the exact color was repeated. And so anyway, they could see how well I did, but then they could also see how the focus just kind of veered off at the end of the 20 minutes and all of that. So that's ultimately how they came up with the diagnosis of ADHD and severe social anxiety. No, I hear that. I mean, that is kind of a neat, like I've never, I haven't heard of that test, but I mean, I think I have a little bit of homework to do on my end, but it sounds like it was very interesting in terms of how they kind of figured that out. I kind of think about my own memory and I'll I'll be honest, I'm type A to a a fault probably. (laughs) Like I just, I'm very detail oriented, not saying that you aren't, but just, I think in terms of like, I probably overstress about how things have to be organized. So when it comes with my husband, it was just kind of like, why can't you be this organized? And it, I think it's just all makes so much more sense to have that diagnosis to help support, you know, how your day-to-day schedule may look. And I guess this kind of bleeds into the next question. So as a nurse who's neurodivergent, how do you make it all work? Oh, it just de- <laughs> it depends on which area of nursing. Right. Nursing school for me uh, was so horrible. I withdrew my oh, second semester. I took a year off. I just didn't think that I was smart enough, though I had another degree in science prior and I was on the dean's list, made great grades, but nursing was so hard. And then when I got into my first job, in the ICU, the manager said, I think you'll make a great floor nurse, but you're not cut out for the ICU. Hmm. What do you mean? I decided that I want to be an ICU nurse. Right. And then I ended up several months later, I started working in neuro ICU with a nationally ranked hospital. And my preceptor said in front of me, she was talking to another preceptor who had their orientee there as well. And she said, well, at least they gave you someone intelligent. Oh, I have had from nursing all of these these times where people made me feel like I wasn't smart enough that I didn't. And it wasn't that I didn't catch on to things, but I was so afraid of making an error because, you know, people could die. (laughs) And so I needed things to be so solidified in my mind before I was comfortable with life and death decisions. From that point, I've ended up working at six of the top 
uh, hospitals in the country, one being Johns Hopkins in their neuro ICU. I've worked at MassGen. And it's almost like a you tell me that I can't. So I'm definitely going to show you that I can. But it takes some time because I believe them for a little bit of the time. Yeah. But I had to find a way to rearrange because my preceptors were not neurodivergent. And so there are ways to go about the hourly uh, neuro checks, the ICPs, their meds. It didn't work with me because of the juggling. Some of it was outside of my peripheral, right? Mm -hmm. And so out of sight, out of mind for those of us who are neurodivergent. So I had to formulate on papers how to keep up with those hourly things that I needed to do, how to jot things down because I wasn't going to sit in front of a computer and chart. That was too boring. I needed to do patient care first. It took a lot, a lot of work to be able to get around to that and to build up the confidence too. And I'll be happy to send you guys a sheet that I made years ago if any of your listeners want it. You know, if they have any of similar issues that they can look at, then maybe it'll help them as well. I think that your brain was just organized differently, right? And so you didn't have someone to tell you this is how you need to do it. You had to put in all that work of figuring it out yourself. And I'm just wondering, when you when you meet someone, are there signs that you now pick up on because you're neurodiverse that you can kind of see now in other people when you meet them? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Even before I got the diagnosis, though, I remember specifically, so I ended up being charge nurse at that that hospital, and I was a preceptor as well, but there was a nurse that was struggling the way that I did, and I remember telling my manager because they were going to fire her, and I said, give me one week. You give me the full patient load, but I want her, and I want to see if the way that I do this and what helped me will actually help her be really wonderful in this area, and it did. But, oh, definitely. That's amazing of you, Jamie. Wow. Yeah, well, because I want people to have the desires of their heart, period, and not just let other people tell them they're not good enough. Sometimes they're not, but sometimes you are. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of nursing school, I'll, I'll be the first person to say that when I look at the applications and I look at how they, you know, they view their applicant pool and, and how, you know, accepting they are of neurodiversity in, in healthcare, they, they aren't. And I think there's a lot of work that healthcare needs to do in terms and nursing needs to do in terms of making sure that their application process, and even as you're going through school, they're more supportive of people who are neurodivergent. I mean, I know that they have various different pathways for people who might have disabilities, but if that disability hasn't been identified, then you won't get that support. And I actually, we talk about this all the time where we're like, mental health is health, mental health is health. Like how many times do we have to say the fact that, you know, or you may be able to see my broken leg and you know how exactly it fixed that. But when it comes to the brain, there might be a little bit more supports and different things that are needed. But again, that respect and that due that's paid to it is, isn't isn't really done justice. And again, I'm going to continue to like plead and, and maybe I shouldn't be pleading, but just be protesting the fact that schools aren't very accepting of neurodiverse um, students. And I'm sorry that you had that crappy experience. And then again, it flows right into your workforce, right? Again, similar experiences where let's be honest, let's call a spade a spade was bullying and not being accepting of people who would be considered, I guess, you know, neurotypical. So let oh. me tell you, I, I have I have so much trouble with that. And I 
I, the reason I have trouble with that is because, so I have a husband who has ADHD. I have a son who has ADHD and I have a son who has autism. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's just about, you know what, they learn a different way. And Mm -hmm. just because we learn this way doesn't mean that this is the right way. It's just the way that we learn things and we need to we need to open our eyes to saying, how can we help people be successful and how can we help other people get to the places that need, they need to be? And it's a huge conversation, but I, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm ready to have it. Yeah. And when I was in nursing school and right before I withdrew my second semester and I withdrew passing, I just didn't think that I was going to be able to make high enough to pass. I had a passing grade at the time, but I was like, I can't take this comprehensive. And I remember going to one of the instructors and I opened up the book and I said, okay, this, this answer, this, here's why I got the answer. And she's like, well, you should just know that this one's the right answer. I was like, what are you talking about? I have zero history of healthcare in my family. I don't, I don't have any foundation of healthcare. And when I said, what can I do for this to make more sense to me? And their answer was, we can't teach you how to critically think. That's just something that you're not going to be able to do. So you're just not cut out to be a nurse. Wow. Wow. I'm pretty sure that is literally their job in nursing school is to teach you how to critically think. So instead of accepting this responsibility, they passed it back on to you. And you're Mm -hmm. obviously asking for help and you got no help. That's so unfortunate. But you know, I bet you now, Jamie, they are, they see you. I tell you, this is, this is... I don't want to say it's that karma, but maybe it is that karma, right? They, that, you know, they have told you that you're not going to be anything and you can't do this. You can't do that. And it, I tell you, it only makes us stronger. It really does. And I'm sure they see you. I'm sure they oh, see you shining. On social media, they, they love to post. They reached out to me when COVID started taking off. This is one of our graduates who works at such and such healthcare facility, which is a great one. This is what she says, uh, how she's dealing with the whole COVID thing. And then I had another one send a message on one of my posts saying, we always knew we're so proud of you. What are right. you talking about? Oh right. my it gosh. So crazy. <laughs> Flying off of your coattails, right? Because Amy and I have had that same experience with um, organizations that we used to work at that are now taking credit for our success. It's like, actually, we are, we created this podcast because we felt like we didn't have a voice while we were there. In spite of. Exactly. Exactly. But I think at the end of the day, Jamie, like, this is a really good message to people who are out there and especially like nursing students who... I think it's been so tough, right? Like, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a nursing student during COVID. Like, I think that is just, that's just some added pressure. And I think that your message is a, is a very, very important one. People tell people all the time, you can't, you can't, you shouldn't, you, you don't fit the mold. You don't look the right way. You don't, you know, there aren't people like you here, or you're just not going to be, you're just not cut out for this. And it is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely garbage. And I tell you, if you're listening, it just means all you have to do is continue going at it, continue with that grit, and listen to Jamie. <laughs> she's got, absolutely. She's got on, right? <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so inspiring that you're so open about your diagnosis because I think even 10 years ago, 
not that many people would have been so forthcoming about what they were going through. And I'm just curious about some of the reactions you've had when you have disclosed that you have ADHD. Like what do people, what are their typical reactions when you tell them? I think that my experience is probably a lot different than the majority of people because as I said earlier, I'm a very bubbly person. I have a big personality. People enjoy talking to me, but I don't enjoy getting close to others. So my circle of people that I told that to, they were so proud. They wanted to point out the changes that they could tell since I started taking medications. It's just been welcomed. Even the people that That's I work so with, I'm an oversharer sometimes, but the people that I work with when I talk about it, they love me like I love them. We all have a very close bond at mm -hmm. the job that I'm currently at. So it's been very welcomed. Now on Instagram, there's been a lot of trolls that like to come and, and you know, say the things that they don't really know. If you would just work harder, then that could change. It's no excuse. Just get off the couch. I have it. And I don't know. They think that it's a one size fits all. And it's certainly not. Just mm -hmm, like with anything, mm -hmm. even high blood pressure. Metoprolol may work good to keep your heart rate down and your blood pressure down. And some people need, you know, a couple BP meds. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. And can you share with our listeners some myths about being neurodivergent? Yeah. Uh, one of the issues that happens a lot is that only boys or men are diagnosed because ADHD presents differently in women and females than it does in guys. So they think that just because you're a girl and you're quiet in class means that you can't be ADHD, that you can't be neurodivergent in that way. But inside, our brain is going a million miles a minute and we can't focus on things, but we may not be the kid jumping out of our seat. Also, I think that people also believe some myths that I am aware of is that if you have ADHD, you have a lower IQ. You're not as smart. Like I said, I experienced that without the people knowing that I was neurodivergent just because we present differently. When there's been lawyers, doctors, CEOs of companies that are neurodivergent, even great athletes like Michael Phelps or Simone Biles. Yeah. I mean, I think people they like to make constructs, right? And again, it's that demonization of mental health, right? To be like, oh, you know, that person's not very smart or they don't have a great IQ or, you know, they, they take the most, I guess it would be drastic form of whatever that condition is and they slap that label on everybody. And I could tell you, I see that with autism all the time because mm -hmm. I get the, oh, your son doesn't look autistic. And I'm just like, autism is a spectrum disorder. And I didn't know that there was a specific look to autism, right? And I think that's just, people put these labels on and these preconceived notions and ideas where we really should just be turning to the people who have ADHD and be like, okay, <laughs> you tell us you're the expert because you have it, right? As opposed to, you know, these really at the end of the day, derogatory um, labels that, that people put and that society puts on uh ADHD. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so many people think that I've also, again, not from my family or friends or not even my work group, but I am aware of hearing other people talk, whether it be online or people who may not know, but they think that if you have ADHD, you're going to get addicted if you take the medications because they're stimulants, right? That is not one of the top addictive 
medications. Uh, Also, just like my dad, ADHD is often hereditary, right? You were just talking about your husband (laughs) and your son. That's a thing. There's certainly a link. Well, my dad has a history of multiple heart attacks. So obviously he has high blood pressure. He has all of this stuff. He can't take anything that has a stimulant. So he went to his PCP after I got diagnosed because we have such similar traits. They put him on Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant that also helps with the focus. It also helps. So you don't you don't just have to have a certain type of medication either. It's it's not a one size fits all. They are finding all of these things, medication oriented and even tasks that can help whoever you are and however you need it. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, you know, we're having this conversation and I think it's always important to, to pull out things that we can actually do or practical solutions that, you know, everyday people can kind of help support those who are neurodiverse in healthcare or just in general. So could, how about you tell us, how can we better support those with neurodivergencies in healthcare or just, you know, just in general, our family members, anything in our everyday life? Wow. That is such a great question. I think what you're doing right now is a great way to help support the community letting voices be heard so that not only do the people who don't understand it get that information, but also the other people who are neurodivergent, and that's ADHD is a bad word in their family, in their community, in their workplace, to hear, no, it's okay. It's just a part of who you are. Your brain is an organ, just like your heart. If, if I was born and I had, you know, a hole in my heart, And I had to take blood thinner so that I wouldn't end up with a stroke. Well, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. It just means that I need a little extra help in some way. And we are blessed by the medicine that we have access to. So you're not less of a person. And just for people to hear the voices and the success stories and to just know that they're not having to go through this world alone and their issues and their difficulties. I think that's a great way to support the community. Uh, I also think that another great way to support is just like you were saying earlier, to listen. So when people say, no, actually is this, you know what? They may know a little bit better than you do. You know, you read a story about that one person said this 10 years ago. It may not be what they're going through and, and what their experience is either. So I think Mm -hmm. that's another wonderful way to help out. And Jamie, have you had listeners reach out to you either through Instagram or other social media because they heard your story and it just something clicked in their head? All the time. I think daily I get so many messages on Instagram, people who are undiagnosed, they want to know how to go about being diagnosed. Also, people don't feel valid because they don't have an official diagnosis, but yet all of these boxes are checking for them, you're still just as valid. If you find these things that help you, you don't need a doctor to tell you that you are to utilize these methods to make your world a better place and to go through the world in a better way. So yeah, undiagnosed people, diagnosed people, I have people reach out all the time. That's Mm -hmm. so amazing. I think think that you are doing such a, a great thing. And I think that, you know, 
I think a lot of people feel really alone, right? They might be experiencing these things and just be like, I have no idea what's happening or, you know, I'm a bad person or like you said, you know, I'm lazy or, or, you know, I'm believing these, these negative things that people are telling me when there's probably a different way and a different, a way of thinking. And I think that, you know, what you're doing is really amazing. And, and the courage that you have to have these conversations and tell your story, it's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air to be honest, because I think, you know, a lot of people really shy away from these things. And I think that, like I said, you're doing a really great thing. And I hope that if we have listeners out there that we can direct them to you to listen to your podcast as well. And, and, you know, reach out if they have questions, because I think that at the end of the day, when it comes to mental health, again, it's just, it's so stigmatized. People feel um, marginalized by it. People are marginalized by it. And I think that, you know, one extra voice out there saying that you're okay and you're you're not weird, you're not strange, you're just who you're intended yeah. to be is so important. And undiagnosed ADHD can actually lead to a lot more complicated issues too. Undiagnosed ADHD can lead to depression. Undiagnosed ADHD can lead to social anxiety. So it's, it's really important for the people that if you feel like you do check those boxes, that even if you don't go for an official diagnosis, to reach out to someone, whether it be a therapist, go to your physician to see if there's something that they can do before it goes into something even more difficult to deal with. And there's a there's a poem that when I was going through all of these times, Mother Teresa sometimes could be a little controversial, but I used to read this, if you don't mind, it's just a second, but it was, it kind of turned into my mantra when people would, especially in the world of nursing and my heart would be broken and I would just wonder if I was good enough. And I really, truly believed in the depths of who I was, that that was what my calling was, was to be a servant, to be able to be a nurse and to be a voice for others. But so she has a poem called Anyway. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend your years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build it anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. Amazing. I like that. I want to take that whole poem now and just put it up somewhere. You know, have it (laughs) in front of me all the time. That's so amazing, Jamie. I think that, you know, everything you're doing is so valuable and we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or connect with you? Yeah, well, they can find me on any social media platform, podcast platform. It is The Neurodivergent Nurse. 
And my biggest, as far as outside of just the podcast, is Instagram. And that's also at the Neurodivergent Nurse. But I have a Facebook group that people can join because the community is really beautiful with lots of people are so happy to give strangers tips and tricks. But I just hit 15,000 on Instagram. So I was like, man, I'm going to open up a group because I want people to show me their creations and videos of them playing music and just be able to talk and help each other out. So that's another spot where they can go. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on our podcast. Thanks for having me on. I always love talking to you too. You know, we're going to be in touch. We, we've got lots of other work to do. And I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you haven't heard it from anybody, you'll hear it from us today. We are proud of you. And thank you so much for coming on the Green Nurse Podcast, Jamie. Thank you. And I'm proud of you guys doing all the great work you're doing. Thanks. Thank you.